Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this very special edition of the Empire Podcast dedicated to Comic Con 2013 and recorded here in our state-of-the-art pod booth which isn't actually, of course, our hotel room at the Hilton Bayfront. It is a Saturday night. All the major movie panels have come and gone. We've seen pretty much everything the con has had to offer and it has been awesome. Uh, I'm joined, as ever, by Helen O'Hara. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I am really tired. Oh, but hanging in there just about. Uh, I'm also joined by Ali Plum. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, actually. I'm pretty happy. Uh, it's my first Comic-Con, and I uh, I was a bit worried at first I wasn't enjoying it, but today's been a cracker. Today has been a cracker. So more on that later. Fantastic. And uh, we're also joined by our West Coast editor, a.k.a. Jaime Blanco, a.k.a. his real name is James White. As uh, Guillermo del Toro would say, hola, everyone, and no, I'm not Spanish. I still don't understand what that means. What we're going to try and do is we're going to try and adhere to our regular format, even though this is a special. Uh, So we're going to take some readers' questions first, and amazingly, we do actually have some readers' questions about Comic-Con. And then we're going to have a couple of interviews. Uh, We've got Mark Webb coming up later on, the director of The Amazing Spider-Man, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, of course, and Hayley Atwell talking about her uh, short film, Agent Carter, which wowed the crowds here at the con. But... Reader's questions first, via Twitter. Uh, the first one is from at Kev's Film Musings, who asks, Do you think Warner Brothers will pay whatever it takes to get Christian Bell to return for the Superman-Batman film? Now, let's put this in a little bit of context. Helen. Yes, uh, I was in Hall H uh, all day today, all day nearly lost my mind um, and it started off with the Warner Brothers panel in the, in the morning it started big and it only got bigger and it finished when Zack Snyder came out on stage uh, had Harry Lennox who of course was in Man of Steel come out and read an, uh, um, a quote a line from The Dark Knight Returns uh, from the conflict between Superman and Batman in that book they said they're not adapting that but they are doing a film that contains both Superman and Batman they have not confirmed Nolan or Bale um, Snyder is on board, um, but that's all we know right now. Yeah, we we know that Chris Nolan is going to return as executive producer, so his involvement with these movies is diminishing as, mm. as it goes on, so I don't think he's going to be involved in any way, shape or form. Maybe making a few phone calls to facilitate something? I can't see Christian Bell coming back, and I it's, it's hard to imagine them... I don't know how this will work. I genuinely don't. Um, I mean, people went mental at the prospect, at the promise, rather than, I think, the actuality in some ways. And I think, you know, when you think about it, it, it's a hard one to figure out and it's hard to know exactly what they're going to do with this. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's a hard one to figure out, but it's also, it's also in a way, it's a no-brainer. This is something that Warner Brothers have been uh, trying to tackle for a long, long time. Wolfgang Peterson mm. was talking about uh, a world's finest, which is what which is what Batman and Superman are often called. There's a comic book called World's Finest, obviously. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Wolfgang Peterson was trying it years ago. The, I think there was a, a rumor that Colin Farrell might be playing Batman uh, in that one. And then, of course, in I Am Legend, there's a Batman Superman logo in Times Square yeah. at one point. I don't know if that's the same logo that they used today. Was it? Uh, today was. No, I don't think it was, uh, from memory of, of I Am Legend. Uh, this was the, the modern um, Superman and Batman logos interposed Batman behind, but bigger. Um, the Superman logo, kind of the height of the Batman logo, but obviously not as wide, uh, and all in shades of dark grey. It's interesting, this movie, because, um, you know, as people who might listen to the podcast regularly might know, I wasn't the biggest fan of Man of Steel. Uh, that being said, I was really excited by where they had left it, 
And I really would like to have seen Clark Kent, Daily Planet Clark Kent, yeah. get a whole movie uh, to be that Clark Kent that we know and love. And uh, maybe have Superman face off against someone like a Brainiac, which may still happen. Uh, sure. I think they'll need a bigger adversary in this movie. Maybe a Lex Luthor, maybe a Brainiac, it may be someone from the Batman universe to bring them, the two of them together. But I'm sure the format of this movie will be they meet in the first act and, uh, oh, there's a bit of grudging respect but actually secretly they both don't like each other and you know because they both know each other's secret identities and then in act two they fight and superman is surprised that he can't just easily defeat batman who has no powers but batman is the smartest man on the planet oh and they fight and they fight and they fight and then in the third act they realize oh no we've been set up and it's our oh it's brainiac all along and that's going to get him so i'm a bit worried that hopefully it won't be like that for me like um, I don't think it will. They've got to come up with something smarter, one would hope. And also, I mean, it's hard to say that this is formulaic in some ways because it hasn't quite been done on this scale before. And that's kind of interesting. We haven't had, you know, Superman and Batman, figures of this kind of iconic nature together. I mean, the Avengers was a very different thing. It was very carefully planned. It was very carefully built over six different movies um, towards a group team up. This is this is kind of a different thing and it will be, I think, really interesting to see how they approach it. If it is, you know, something along those lines that you've suggested, if it's something completely different, maybe Batman will be a very small part of it. Um, maybe he'll be... Yeah. I don't know, front and center. It's I, I honestly, I don't know how they're going to do this. I have no idea how they're going to work it. It's obviously too early to judge, but it's really fun to speculate. Do you think that they know how they're going to do this? I mean, do you think, for example, I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah. here, but um, a month ago, uh, was Man <laughs> of Steel 2 a, a Superman movie, a standalone Superman movie with nary a mention of Batman, apart from maybe a Wayne Enterprises truck in the background here or there? And is there a sense that, you know, the movie perhaps, I mean, it's performed very well worldwide. I think it's just crossed the $600 million uh, mark at the box office. But they were maybe thinking this could be a billion-dollar franchise mm. and maybe they've parachuted Batman in to, to bump it up a bit. I feel quite bad for DC. After what we experienced in the Marvel panel, I was blown away about three times and the Fox panel had a couple of good gut punches too. DC, that seems like a year ago we were discussing Superman, Batman, and now we've got Avengers 2 Age of Ultron, mm. which is the thing I'm most excited about of the whole weekend. And Snyder's probably sitting in his bat cave having a cry. <laughs> I mean, I, I was in the hall all day for all three of these, and I know you guys were running in and out and covering uh, press conferences and, and, and everything as well. And I, I feel like when the Marvel, when the Warner's panel ended first thing this morning, I thought there is no way Marvel can top that. That was as big as it gets. People were weeping in the hall at the Superman Batman announcement virtually and people were whooping, people were going completely mental. So I thought that was that was it, n no question. Uh, then, you know, I mean, the Lionsgate panel too, Jennifer Lawrence came out, talked about Hunger Games, people went mental again. Then the uh, the Fox panel, the entire cast of X-Men Days of Future Past turned up to talk about the movie, to bring footage from the movie. It was astonishing. And then the Marvel panel started and I thought, you know, well, there's definitely no way. After Warners and after Fox, there's no way they can match this. All they had to do was bring out Loki in costume, in character. But they didn't stop there. They kept going. It's been an, a mental day. Uh, I, I don't even know how to think anymore. I feel like I've been at a 12-hour rock concert. <laughs> What will make this easier to comprehend is actually going to the website and just digging through story by story on empireonline.com because 
there have been so many stories. Helen, you were saying earlier today that if this was, if there were just one of these stories, say the Godzilla stuff, which apparently was knockout, if that was just the only news story today, that would have powered the website for that day. It's a very exciting news story, just seeing that footage, seeing Brian Cranston, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, that crew facing off against Godzilla and what looks like Mothra. You know, what Godzilla looks like, you know, all of that stuff. That's incredible. What would you say the biggest story coming out of Comic-Con has been? Is it the Batman-Superman thing? For example, I was literally on the BBC website a second ago, and the fourth lead story on their website is not Avengers 2 has a title, Mm. uh, is not... X-Men Days of Future Past it is it's not Tom Hiddleston turns up in a wig it is Batman and Superman are going to team up on film mm. so this is a huge cultural thing yeah uh, very very quickly to address the actual question from <laughs> at Kev's Film Musings uh, I would love to see Christian Bale come back uh, to me it, it, it kind of makes more sense if it's Christian Bale in this world because the Superman world that, that, that Zack Snyder uh, created well, felt very much like the Chris Nolan Batman world and I also, I don't want to see them reboot and recast this close to the Nolan Bale films. I, I think there's a bit of a problem with that anyway, because if you've got a film that features both Batman and Superman, and you're trying to introduce us to a brand new Batman, how do you have the time to really give him a decent introduction? I, obviously, he's Batman. You've got the backstory there. You know who he is, but you need to know who Bruce Wayne is, and you need to see how this Batman reacts, how he acts, how he does everything. And I just don't think there's time when you've also got to service Superman and the villain. Is the middle way Joseph Gordon-Levitt, then? Possibly, and there were rumours about that, weren't there, for uh, the Justice League movie. Yeah. Had that happened, that it might be Joseph Gordon-Levitt's John Blake from The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know. Um, For me... Christian Bell was such a good Batman. I would love to see him come back. I would love to see him. I'm sure they, you know, even now conversations are probably taking place at, at levels far above ours, uh, and all sorts of figures are being bandied around. And who knows, he may come back if it's just turning up as Batman. Maybe a couple of scenes as Bruce Wayne here and there. You know, doing. You know, it could be fun. It could be fun. Um, I always, I had the same problem whenever they were doing uh, the Justice League movie with George Miller. A lot at the same time as the Batman movies with Chris Nolan. So you had Christian Bell Batman and Army Hammer was going to be Batman. And I just think that's that's weird. It's almost like having Quicksilver show up in two different movies and <laughs> Don't within be 12 silly. months of each other. <laughs> Imagine what that would be like. Anyway, that's uh, the first question from at Kev's Film Musings. Uh, do check out Kev for some film musings. This question is from at Ashley Norris. Uh, what hasn't been announced that you thought might be announced that you wanted to be announced? The man. The man is an ant. It's Ant-Man was announced last time, but I wanted to see footage. Would you have liked to have seen a name being announced? Yes, any name. Uh, yes, I would have liked to have seen the name. Yeah. I also would have liked to have seen uh, Vin Diesel announcing what he was talking to Marvel about uh, when he had his lunch with Marvel. He was asked it during the Riddick Q&A uh, when he was there in Hall H, and he kind of danced around it. There will be an announcement by the end of the month. On a similar note, it would be Marvel for me as well. I thought we might hear uh, a little bit more about Guardians of the Galaxy, some of the cast members who haven't been announced yet, because we saw a great panel today, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and and an astonishing amount of footage uh, from the film, given it's only been shooting for a little over a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But we didn't hear, for example, who's going to be voicing Rocket Raccoon, uh, Groot, 
Um, you know, so there are still cast members there that haven't yet been revealed. Um, and then, you know, speaking in completely airy-fairy, unlikely stuff, I thought maybe strange. Very, very good point. And also they announced those movies, didn't they, for 2016, 2017, and so on. Uh, I thought that maybe they might have said what those movies were going to be. Mm. But um, the, the thing I didn't see that I thought I might have seen, and I'm surprised we didn't see, was um, it's San Diego. Anchorman 2 is coming out in December. And I know Paramount didn't have a presence here at all. They didn't bring any films to Comic-Con. Some, pretty much every year, one studio skips it, you know, which, which is fine. Um, Paramount decided this year was not going to be their year. And they didn't bring Ron Burgundy in the team. I just thought that that's perfect, isn't it? This is the, this is the chance to get Ron, Brick, Brian and Champ up on stage and improvising. And this is Ron's hometown. And it, I just, I'm disappointed that it didn't happen. Not that I would have got in to see it because I would have been in the TV lineups all day, every day, as I was. I'd have to say the thing I was sort of hoping, but probably against hope, uh, that they might announce is that they had a big uh, 20th anniversary X-Files panel uh, with Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny and Chris Carter and about eh, 50% of the writing staff, including Vince Gilligan, who's now gone on to Breaking Bad. I was sort of hoping they might announce X-Files 3, the movie, uh, because it seemed like the right time. And it seemed like they've got everyone there and everyone would go nuts for it and there will be loads of news about it. But no such luck. You might have to keep waiting, X-Files fans. Okay, thank you for that question. Uh, next one is from at Caleb Shanks, uh, an old contributor to the podcast. It asks, what's the geekiest thing you've seen? Uh, presumably here. Uh, you know, like a gang of Yodas playing fantasy card games to win Lego. I've seen many nerdy things because I went around taking pictures of people in costume deliberately on, on a, for a few hours each day. <laughs> And uh, there, there are just astonishing costumes every year. I'm so impressed by them. Um, I saw a man who was here two years ago dressed as a centaur who had repurposed, um, really convincing centaur, like when he moved his front legs, the back legs went with them. Um, but he had repurposed his, his uh, whole horse rig and was now Thorin riding a pony. Uh, that was impressive. Um, but I think my favorite encounter um, of of the weekend just because it made me do something bizarre was when I saw two people in all over white lycra and with their faces also whited out. And I only saw them from behind at first, so I couldn't see that they also had a big green G on their chests. So I ran after them going, excuse me, are you human beings? <laughs> um, to which they laughed and replied that yes, they were, but they were the Greendale mascot from Community. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I felt a bit stupid for having <laughs> asked. I'd have to say the nerdiest thing I saw was actually on Friday night where I was finally lucky enough to be probably the last person from Empire to see The World's End. <laughs> and I got to attend a screening that was also attended by Mr. Bill Paxton, who actually, uh, Edgar Wright, at the start of the screening, he'd announced, he'd said, there aren't that many film references in The World's End, but we do reference a film that somebody is in the audience is in right now so uh right at the end during the q a uh they brought up the fact that there's a, a reference to aliens and specifically the uh the sort of knife uh, stabbing the hand scene and everything like that and they said uh, yes and mr bill paxton was here and both simon and nick who were sitting in the row with him admitted that they'd sort of turned to bill during the scene in the screening and had gone yeah we did that for you so that was probably the nerdiest thing i saw Tom Cruise, interestingly, brought Bill Paxton up on stage today during the All You Need... Sorry, Edge of Tomorrow panel as well. 
Um, yeah. And uh, and they started having an alien quote off, which which led to Bill Paxton sorry, saying, "Tom Cruise had an alien quote off." Tom Cruise had an alien quote off with alien, sorry, quote off with Bill Paxton, which ended when Bill Paxton delivered "Game Over, Man." Game over. It was freaking awesome. Tom Cruise quotes aliens. Tom Cruise can quote it like he was good. He knew his stuff. They really? went through, yeah, they had three or four lines each. Really quick, quick, speedy stuff. Can you imagine if James Dyer had been there? It I would know. have been off the chain. I know. Um, I just realised what the nerdiest thing anybody's seen in Comic Con is, mm-hmm. and Helen has the answer. It's me dancing to "Hooked on a Feeling," <laughs> as sung by David Hasselhoff. I was wearing my Calvin and Hobbes meets Han and Chewie T-shirt. Just finished the super day, and um, in the trailer that we saw for Guardians of the Galaxy, which was knockout by the way, really impressive. The theme is "Hooked on a Feeling." It's this cover of it. And it reminded me of a cover of Hooked of a Feeling that was done by David Hasselhoff. So I was just sitting there in the corridor with the music playing quite loudly on my laptop. And Samuel Jackson was going up the elevator next to me. And I was properly shaking my um, <laughs> my groove thang. Yeah. And uh, he was thinking, that is the whitest man alive. The, the funny thing was, I saw Samuel L. Jackson. I was sure that Ali had, because he was looking in that direction as Samuel L. Jackson sort of looked over and shook his head in horror. Um, but Ali was just too busy into the groove to notice Nick Fury walk past. And uh, although I didn't actually witness this, uh, I think the actual nerdiest element of it is the fact that Nick Fury reacted to someone dancing to Nick Fury. Okay, now it's time for our first interview of Comic-Con 2013. Uh, Early on in the week, I went along and spoke to Mr. Mark Webb, director of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and we talked about all kinds of things, from Electro to Mary Jane and more. Enjoy. How does it feel being back at Comic-Con? Because I imagine this is... Is it a slightly different experience from the last time when you were the unknown quantity, Mm. in a way, and... uh, there were some people who maybe were even casting aspersions on the need to to, yeah. to remake Spider-Man or reboot Spider-Man. Yeah, I felt a little more uh, petrified the first time around because I I think there was that sense and and understandably so. But what you realize when you're at Comic Con is there is a real genuine enthusiasm and love for anybody who's here and for for the just for the experience. And I've realized it to how to embrace the fun and you know there's always there's the fun another fun part of it for me is i get to you know i was just on a panel with edgar wright who i is my old pal and uh alfonso coron who i am an enormous fan of and like that part of festivals it was like like Mm. sundance was kind of a similar thing you get to meet all these other filmmakers and people who are creating material and 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 that's exciting um but really the warmth and enthusiasm of the of the community who are the people that gave um, Spider-Man the ability to live yeah. for so long and being able to address and connect to those people is pretty fantastic. Do you sense uh, that, that there the is a, that skepticism was evaporated by the first movie that people are now embracing The Amazing Spider-Man 2 that you know, they, I they think can't wait are, to see what's happening? Yeah, I think people, listen, there's, there's, there has been a level of enthusiasm which I think was, was great. I think that, listen, I still think we have something to prove. Okay. You know? Um, and I think we uh are coming out with a movie that is incredibly epic, operatic in its scope with, I think, brilliant performances and uh, uh, that is fun and has a spectacle that I think is people will be surprised by. And I think everybody on the set, Andrew, Emma, myself, Dane, Jamie, we all sensed 
that we were making something special. I felt really good. We felt we had a really good time making the movie. And I think people <laughs> will feel that Paul Giamatti, like we were just, and he wasn't on set that much, but you know, he had a, it was a good feeling. And it was one of those things that, and I don't think we quite had that joyfulness on the first movie. Cause we all felt we were under such incredible pressure and it was terrifying. And this time around, we're just having a blast. I think the audience will feel it. There was a sense, I mean, I was here, um, oh God, now this is going to date me, uh, but I was here nine years ago whenever uh, Sam Raimi unveiled the Doc Ock sequence from uh, uh, Spider-Man 2. And I remember thinking at the time, oh my God, this is a Sam Raimi I grew up yeah. loving. Yeah. This sequence is just pure, it's, unabashed It's so Raimi. pure, Sam. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a sense in the first movie that he was somewhat uh, conforming, if you will, to the, uh-huh. the big budget arena. Yeah. And then he cut loose. He had the uh-huh. freedom to cut loose on the second movie. Mm-hmm. Is that your situation with this one? Oh, interesting. Well, I think that, that you know, on the first movie, I felt like an obligation. And I understand why I felt that about the origin story, which I think people sort of uh, occasionally bristled at. But I, I thought it was important to set that up to, to really drive home what we needed to drive home in this movie. And so there was, it was, there's something very pure about this film. Mm. And we had a script that, you know, everybody loved and, and everybody, there was a a, a universal sense of uh, purpose on this that, that I think transcends me. I'm not like Sam in, in certain ways, like, you know, I like to disappear. I don't want it to be about me. And (laughs) and, and Sam, Sam was, uh, I think a brilliant, did a, uh, Spider-Man Two is one of the greatest superhero movies, if not the greatest superhero movie ever made. Mm. Like, it's it's he's an extraordinary filmmaker. Um, uh, but I try not to think about if if it's mine or not. I'm trying to support the character. You know what I mean? Mm. And I want people to have an experience that is that is where they're communing with the character. And I don't want to have any. I don't want them to be thinking about me. There are certain things that I am attracted to as a storyteller. You know, romantic relationships or some, for, for whatever reason. Uh, have always struck uh, sort of a deep chord with me. Um, and interpersonal relationships, family relationships are very really important to me. I just think they're stimulating, interesting, because we we, they are what brings us together. Mm. And you need that at the heart of the movie. So that's fun. But I have to say I have a really good time building out the scope of this movie. You know, when Matt Tolmack and I often talk about, like in, in, in Avi, uh, we all talk about the there is something operatic about this. It is a huge, fun, uh, deeply emotional spectacle that people are about to engage in. It's interesting as well because the, the, the scale of the movie, as you say, does seem to be ramped up considerably. You have multiple villains. I know the, you know, the Rhino, for example, is maybe a guest villain, if yeah. you will. But uh, That's a good way to put it, yeah. yeah you have, um, but you do have, you're setting up the Osbournes, uh, yeah. not Aussie, but <laughs> and Co, but the other Osbournes. Uh, yeah. And Electro is the, main, is the main bad guy as well. But as well, on, on top of that, you have yeah. other complications as, as well in Peter's yeah. life. So how do you keep track of all that stuff and, and not fall foul of... It emanates, you, you know, there's a, there's a theme. At the beginning of the movie, I was talking to Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi and Jeff mm. about... Uh, the movie and, and and you come up with an idea or a feeling and everything emerges from that theme everything every scene every journey is related to a sentiment about you know the, the, our notion of time the first shot in the movie is a clock and that's uh i think prophetic for the rest of the film okay that's interesting Mm-hmm. And uh, we spoke to uh, Shailene Woodley mm-hmm. uh, about an hour ago uh, as well. Uh, She's about, here for a divergent. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, she was saying that, you know, obviously she was only in four scenes. Mary Jane was only in four scenes initially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems that the, the scope has broadened to such an extent. It's almost taken, it's, it almost seems from an outsider's perspective to have yeah. taken you guys by surprise. Uh-huh. So therefore, hence the rearrangement of... Yeah, th- th- there's some truth to that. We, we, we had our, our um, you know, Mary Jane is obviously a really iconic uh, part of the comics. And, but when it came down to it, the story was really about uh, Peter and Gwen. And we wanted to keep that clean and we didn't want to imply that there was some sort of weird love triangle and, and there wasn't in the movie and, and Shailene's just so brilliant. She's a really wonderful actor. Um, so there's part of me that just was, killed me, but there's also, there's, you know, that happens. You, you, you start to see, you view the movie as a whole and, and, and I, it, I just really wanted to focus on that relationship and not, um, uh, confuse it. And I felt like, uh, that was the, you know, the, the best way to focus on that relationship was to to um, to lose those uh, moments with mm. with MJ, which are really just teases anyway. Yeah, and then come to that in uh, in the third movie mm-hmm. as yeah, well. Exactly. Because, yeah, uh, because three and four have just been announced for 2016 uh-huh. and 2018. Is that uh-huh. your future as well, or I would like I would like that to to happen. The the well the third one, um, but the the fourth one got you know they really. They're really crazy over there at Sony. Uh, God bless them. <laughs> and five in twenty twenty six. Yes, exactly. I think <laughs> we'll have to, it would be nice to have a life at some point. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. And make your smaller, quieter movies in between. Yeah, I would love. I would love that. I would love to make. Uh, I have so many things that I want to do. So the 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 uh, relationship between uh, Harry and Peter uh-huh, uh-huh. is that center to this movie as well? Yeah, it's very, it's 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 really important. We we've built our own version of that relationship. That's of course based in the dynamic that you, you, you know, are familiar with from, from, from the comics, like all relationships for Peter poses a dilemma for him that, that, you know, I don't want to get into too much, but, um, you know, I think that we, we did a, it was, it was fun to, to, to play that relationship. And he's sort of bound by, uh, you know, uh, a sense of fatherlessness with, with, uh, Harry's character. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, a uh, I think a very poignant uh, relationship for the audience. Uh, I've got a, a couple of very, very last quick questions, yeah. Mark. Uh, one is, and I know you probably won't be able to say anything, but there's a sense mm-hmm. that the trilogy is building towards the Sinister Six. Uh-huh. Is that something that might be on your well, agenda? Well, you you'll have to pay attention to uh, the movie very closely as it unfolds to see <laughs> where we're going. But there is there is certainly a plan to tease out a universe that's that's bigger than what what um what you might expect and the, the last question is is amazing spider-man 2 mm-hmm. were there ever plans to call it the sensational spider-man spectacular I, spider-man i there have been discussions about that you know i like the idea of some, calling it the spectacular spider-man but i think that that just for ease of uh, for the audience for the audience the mass audience to understand what it is it may be better to call it the amazing spider-man 2 but i don't i you know that's something that um, that there'll be discussions about. I but but I think for, for now we should just call it the Amazing Spider-Man too. What do you think? What do you what would you like to call it? I, I like I like the idea of uh, naming each one after a comic book. So the next one would have been spectacular, spectacular. And sensational, then maybe Web of Spider-Man. Who knows? Web of Spider-Man, yeah, interesting. That would yeah, be quite nice. Right. That carries with it certain implications about what the nuance of those comics and and do you faithfully translate it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 which is a you know has an interesting element to it too. Absolutely. You still got a year. You can, you can change your minds. Yeah, it's true. 
they just did it with all you need is kill yeah. <laughs> we, we shall all see right. alright Mark brilliant thanks very much <laughs> thank man. you cheers Chris, thanks a lot thank you Okay, now, um, we usually at this point we would do the movie news. We're not really going to do that, we're, and we don't have a review section either. So what we're going to do very, very quickly, I guess, is go amongst the four of us and talk about the best thing we've seen in Comic-Con this year and then the worst thing, or maybe the thing we enjoyed the least. Helen, let's begin with you. Um, okay. Um, I was in Hall H all day today, as I say, for the, the biggest panels in the world ever, and therefore the best is really difficult to say. Uh, I think... I think Tom Hiddleston coming out as Loki and uh, addressing the crowd as Mewling Quims um, and getting everyone to chant his name. In fact, they were chanting his name before he even asked, as soon as he appeared. Um, he was basically treated like a rock star. That was pretty awesome. Um, Footage-wise, I saw so much cool stuff today. Guardians of the Galaxy was unexpected. It was kind of... It was almost Galaxy Quest meets Indiana Jones in space kind of a feel. It was bizarre but really really good uh thor and captain america sequels both look good um edge of tomorrow look great godzilla blew me away um it was a really good good day for footage oh, days of future past incredible stuff you know uh that was that was all pretty amazing i i don't know what to say is the best i genuinely <laughs> i'm i i was like i i was just on a high all day apart from the freaking wi-fi it was an interesting year this year, wasn't it? Because uh, I thought Thursday was very low-key. You know, Divergent, Ender's Game. You know, on Wednesday night, for example, I was walking back to my hotel room and the line for Hall H, they have tents out here because people you know, tend to come and queue and actually camp out for a couple of days in order to get in. Uh, and usually that's rammed the night before the, the big day on Thursday. Not a soul in sight. Mm. Uh, this was about 11 o'clock at night as well. And then uh, some people on my Twitter feed pointed out that there was no Twilight this year, which was very, very interesting. And uh, there did seem to be a general lack of oomph about Thursday. But it's really picked up, and today is one of the biggest days I can recall in the in the con's history. Yeah, I think Thursday... I was in the hall on Thursday as well. I mean, you know, Divergent actually previewed some, some pretty good footage, um, very much setting itself up as another Hunger Games rather than another Twilight, which is no bad thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Ender's Game, you know, with Ender's Game, they really amped up the scale and the spectacle. They've got him in a sort of virtual uh, reality environment, so he's on alien worlds. He's in the middle of space, surrounded by fleets of ships, uh, fleets of the enemy as well. It, it just looked much more massive than, than we've seen um, from that movie before so you know there was there was good stuff in the hall but there wasn't the hype well with Ender's Game the one funny thing was Harrison Ford obviously was in Hall H yeah. in Comic Con and people were losing their tiny minds you, you could you could feel people palpably going to Palpatine no they, they were <laughs> they were honestly losing it anyway so one guy asked the question and by the question I mean what would happen if Indiana Jones met Han Solo and deadpan as you like Harrison Ford says well they'd say hello <laughs> how are you <laughs> and that really made me laugh uh, but I'm sure there are plenty of people going god he's such a grumpy grumpy old man no I think he, I think he played it perfectly I think he nailed it yeah I think he's a man who you know doesn't necessarily want to be here and that's absolutely fair this is that's his prerogative, and he plays it absolutely perfectly because he knows he could do anything, and they'd love it. Mm. Well, maybe not anything, but you know, within reason, he could do most things, and they'd love it. 
Well, there's one thing that I really, really enjoyed that unfortunately I can't actually talk about, and that would be the Sherlock panels uh, screening. They showed a scene from, and I can actually say this bit, it's the second episode of the new set of three that they're doing. Sue Virtue, the producer, also known as Mrs. Moffat, specifically told us you cannot talk about that. It was supposed to be a massive treat for people that had turned up to the panel. It was, a, it was a huge surprise. I don't think people were expecting them to actually bring something and show it. They were probably expecting a sizzle reel trailer of whatever they've shot. You've got to remember, of course, they've only shot two episodes so far because Cumbers and Freeman are off being, you know, big movie stars so that they don't have the time to do it. But it was, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this about it, it was genuinely charming, it was funny, it was witty, and it was pretty much everything you expect from Sherlock. Fantastic. Is that, is that the best thing you saw all weekend then? No, I, I don't. I don't think that's quite the best thing. Um, as I think, you know, we've been turning to a lot. Uh, the best thing was probably that I got to see of the Marvel panel. I didn't see all the Marvel panel, thanks to work commitments. Um, but I saw the Guardians of the Galaxy footage, and I was actually pretty darn impressed with that. Um, I was possibly even more impressed with Mr. Chris Pratt who I'm already a big fan of, thanks to his work on Parks and Recreation and various other things, who sort of turned into a very, very sort of charming panel representative, was making lots of jokes, was really coming across very well. The other thing I should mention is Agent Carter, uh, which we got to see last night, and that is uh, Marvel's new one-shot. So it's a spin-off, obviously, of Captain America. It's Hayley Atwell's character. It's a couple of... It's a year or so after the war, and it's what... Haley did what Agent Carter did next so um, that was really really good fun it's, it's just over I think it's 15 minutes with credits so it was a little bit under that um, but really good fun really, really entertaining and really kick-ass and with what I also saw that today I saw the women who kick-ass panel at Comic-Con and and the two were just massively outwardly openly in-your-face feminist and that was really cool uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Edge Card as well, and we actually have a Haley Atwell interview coming up very, very quickly. But um, have we covered everything in terms of best things? I really enjoyed the Days of Future Past footage that Brad Singer brought. Uh, some uh, absolutely goosebumps and juicy moments in that in that uh, teaser. Go online for a full breakdown of it. But for example, there are there are moments. You know, there's a future Wolverine with grey around his temples, which fans of the comic book will will go nuts for. There. There are, are shots of just all your favourite mutants, including some new ones that just uh, are fantastic. And McAvoy's uh, Charles Xavier looking like an absolutely broken man means that this is going to be a really fascinating, interesting, complex movie. It is, along with The Raid 2, my uh, most anticipated movie of 2014, and I saw nothing to disabuse me of that notion today. The one thing that I think still might be a slight problem that I saw is the uh, the footage of the Robocop remake which uh, you know came to Hall H with a lot of expectation and let's face it still a lot of negativity swirling around it I'm not 100% convinced that the footage they showed off managed to dispel all the negativity um, I have some problems with it obviously Robocop was a very important movie in my life and I know to many other people it was the first 18 rated movie I saw at the age of <laughs> 11 and, uh, and and the new footage is obviously it's PG-13 so it's going to have to be doing a whole lot more bloodless um, even though uh, we saw Ed 209 take out a child Thanks, Ed209. He's, he's like that. Um, it, it, 
the, the the Robocop himself, I didn't quite buy it being even as cool as the original 1987 version. For all that Joel Kinnaman is a fine actor, I'm not sure he managed to you know punch through the suit the way that Peter Weller did all those years ago. I didn't see the footage, uh, so I'm going to say classified <laughs> in terms of my thoughts on the Robocop remake, uh, but I, I didn't realise it was PG-13. That's worrying. The, the panel, actually, I, I went to the press conference for that one. They they talked the talk. I, I you know they, they seemed to know what they were doing. Jose Padilla had a really good grasp, I thought, of, of what he was going for. You know, he was, he was very articulate on what he was going for on, on the issues he wants to explore, on the themes of responsibility and what it means to be human and so on. There were some really, really interesting ideas that he's looking into, which I think could come across, and I hope they will. Um, he talked about the PG-13 question, and, and his take on it was he doesn't think it's inherent to the story and to the themes and to the ideas of Robocop that it also be gory. And uh, as both he and Samuel L. Jackson said on the panel, if the well, Robocop would probably be an R nowadays, but many other films of that era that got an R then wouldn't do nowadays. And if something like The Dark Knight can be as impactful as it is at a PG-13, then I think they're hoping to do the same. We'll cool. see. Uh, before we move on to the uh, Hayley Atwell interview, uh, I just realised we haven't really mentioned a film that was here on Friday, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm which we obviously just had Mark Webb on, on the show. I didn't see the footage. How did it go down? The footage went down well, and I think that's in part because if you're a Spider-Man fan, the sight of Electro on screen and this new incarnation, he's no longer in green and uh, yellow. He's in a black hoodie and bright blue skin, Dr. Manhattan style. We got to see in an extraordinary piece of kind of theatricality, they pulled back all of the back curtain on Hall H, to create this super uh, projection area, which which covered about 180 degrees at the at the at the end of Fall Edge. I don't think they made the most of it. It's not like we saw the trailer across all of it, but kind of the web shot across, and there was a real kind of atmosphere of wow, what are we about to watch? And in a, in the event, they showed us a trailer, and the trailer showed uh, what I've long wanted to see from Andrew Garfield, which is a truly cocky, confident, funny, charismatic Andrew Garfieldier Spider-Man. He is running, jumping, climbing, shooting, webbing, all that kind of stuff, but with a real quippy nature about him. The, the comic book fans obviously want it. We see Paul Giamatti reminding me of the time in that film, which I forget the name of, where he's covered in blue paint and he screams, but he's left with his, his, his uh, trousers around his ankles and, you know, he looks like a fool and there are plenty of the jokes and the quips and all that kind of stuff. Okay, let's talk about Electro and how he becomes Electro. We get to see a very, very brief few cuts of how he becomes Electro and it seems to be a very easy way to become a supervillain or a superpowered um, protagonist in this world is to fall into a <laughs> dangerous area then be bitten by a scientifically researched upon animal of your choice because Spider-Man was bitten by a radioactive spider or a genetically uh, interfered with uh, spider and so Electro Paul Jamie Fox is playing with some electrical um, wires. He falls into a big tub of electric eels, gets bitten by one of them, that explodes, and Shazam! You can shoot through electric sockets and can float like Dr. Manhattan, and you are a living, breathing ball of blue energy. Don't try this at home, kids. Definitely don't. But yes, it ends with a great moment where there's this cop car, this cruiser, flipping through the air, flipping, 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 and it's just about to crush this cop on the floor, uh, on the floor, on the road. And Spider-Man kind of leaps over it, backflips over it, and then kind of 
clutches it just underneath him, just before it crushes his head, as if he's, you know, Superman, and goes, um, need a hand? <laughs> and it's just, a, it's, it's that kind of tone. It's that kind of feeling. I was very encouraged by it. I, I'm much more looking forward to this one yeah. than I was back to the first one when that came out, what, two years ago? Yeah, and Mark Webb's talking a good game as well, as, as you've just heard. Shall we have some Hayley Atwell? Oh, let's. Let's have some Hayley Atwell. So after the uh, screening of Agent Carter the other night, uh, I hung around, and then in an empty theatre, lovely setting, I spoke to the lovely Hayley Atwell about playing Peggy Carter once again. Enjoy. Uh, so Hayley, hell of a reaction tonight. There's a lot of love for Peggy Carter. Oh, I know. It's lovely. It's a complete surprise. It's very, very sweet. Yeah. Were you aware that this character had connected with people in this way? Um, I'd seen a little bit online. People had drawn attention to it. And I think out of that, um, they had kind of decided that she should maybe have a little bit more of a say, <laughs> a little bit more to do. So I appreciate the fans' input in that way. Yeah, because for obvious reasons, you know, she's not a huge part of Captain America, the mm-hmm. Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. which must be a shame for you, obviously. Yeah, of course, exactly. But this is this gave me a chance to have a full focus on what she did after and to be able to kick butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. So um, when did you get the call for this one? Um, I think I got a call at the beginning of the year to say that um, we'd, we'd be filming in March and did I want to do it? And Lou um, Desposito, the producer and director of this particular thing and just said you you know you've got to do it you must do it and he sent me the script <laughs> and it was great and of course no one else could play Peggy so um of course I had to say yes I had no choice otherwise you scupper their, their plans and yeah, they exactly and I never get welcome back to the Marvel family again <laughs> um yeah so we shot of uh, just under a week in in back in March and it was an amazing week it was a full-on very intense with the stunt coordinator learning the choreographed fight routines and and trying to feel convincing doing that. Um, and then shooting long hours, but um, you, know, you can see the production value is so high that it just pays oh, yeah. off. Yeah. That's amazing. Where did you shoot it? We shot in LA at Marvel Studios, yeah. Your own bespoke little studio, yes. which isn't too bad. I imagine though, your, your deal for Captain America, did you sign on for sequels? And did you check the small print and <laughs> and short films and, and other things? No, I don't think I did. I don't, well, I, I, my agent probably knows, but I certainly <laughs> didn't know. I think when you sign up to certain things like this, there is always the, there's, you can't really, there's no expectation because anything can happen and nothing can happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to just take projects and um, things as they come, as they come up. And, um, you know, like we were saying jokingly today, anything is possible. This, doing this short film was a complete surprise to me and uh, anything in the future would be a complete surprise to me as well. (laughs) I can see a series of Agent Carter shorts leading into movies, Agent Carter movies. Yeah, Peggy's spin-off, why not? Let's have some more strong women on screen. I go for absolutely, because there seemed to be like a, a huge wave of support for the idea of, of female heroes. And mm-hmm. uh, this is about uh, a woman making a mark in a world dominated by men. That must have yeah. been a, a huge appeal as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's timely. Unfortunately, it's still a relevant topic. It's mm-hmm. still um, something that we have, you know, we have quite a, a long way to go before we have equality. And um, so that just on a, on a kind of a serious note, I suppose, a series like this or um, a world like this is relevant mm. but then also it's just it's a lot of fun you know she <laughs> she she can do everything the boys can do but she's wearing heels and a pencil skirt and <laughs> she looks great and she's you know checking herself in a compact and she's just as mu- as feminine as she is masculine I think and, and can you talk about where Peggy is in the short because it's a year on from the events of Captain America yeah so Peggy is now working kind of in administration doing um, detailed analysis and field reports and although she's very capable of it she's bored out of her mind because she's capable of so much more and she's skilled in a lot of other things and um 
you know, her boss, played by the brilliant Bradley Whitmore, kind of um, undermines her and um, suggests that she's only where she is because they feel sorry for her because she's Captain America's old flame and she's grieving. <laughs> and um, so she sets out to prove him wrong. And, uh, and one last thing about this movie, uh, see, I even called it a movie, uh, about the short mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, keeping it under your hat. Because no one knew anything about this, obviously apart yeah. from the people who worked on it, until, yes. until a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, How did you manage to keep it a secret? Um, I was kind of, Marvel was just like, don't say anything. <laughs> and I was just worried. I thought, well, you know, if I say anything and it, it gets out of the bag before it's ready, then, uh, you know, they might not ever invite me back. So um, <laughs> I had to be, as the Marvel of secret, secretive and protective, even from with me. So I just thought I had to, had to kind of be part of that too. But um, it was really hard. Because you know, even friends and family are going, "What are you? Why are you? What are you doing?" I was like, yeah, really? "Oh, just this thing, just yeah, just short film, student film." <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they've got potential, but uh, so you just went off the radar for a week. No one knew you were yeah, where you were. Exactly. Like, I was, I'm in holiday. I'm a holiday in, in LA. It's great. I'm really worried about Haley. She's not answered her phone or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like then this. Something. She sounds really aggressive on the phone and out of breath, like she's beating people up. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, is this it for you with Peggy, do you think? Or do you think you might come back? Um, I, I really hope not. I'd love to see Peggy again. I'd love to s- step into her shoes one more time, mm-hmm. at least, and uh, see what other adventures she has in store for her. I think, um, you know, she has this great potential there to explore, especially that era of the Second World War mm-hmm. and the British espionage. And you know, she's a, a trained spy and she's probably has many different skills under her belt. So I think that you know, it'd be great to showcase some of those. So I'd definitely say yes. Have you been suggesting ideas to Marvel? Maybe like she does get cryogenically frozen. Maybe she yeah. falls into a time travel portal. Yeah. Maybe, you know, because... <laughs> I did. I did in Captain America in the first one. I said, can she get some of the, the blue vial as well? And <laughs> the liquid and like transform as well. And they would just look at me going, huh? Anyway. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, ex- you know, prolonged exposure to Captain America. Maybe she... You just got to have enough people on the internet, pl- you know, um, campaigning and, and planting the seed. Yeah. And I think the fans, you know, the fans will speak. It will happen. And once the fans have spoken, it will happen. <laughs> it will happen. Haley, <laughs> thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Lovely Pleasure. to meet you. Like, likewise. And that's pretty much it, I think, for the uh, special Empire podcast, Comic-Con 2013 special podcast. Uh, unless anyone has anything else to, to say, anything to add? Well, one thing I would say, and I always feel like we we forget to say it is if you do enjoy this podcast please rate us five stars of course nothing less will do on itunes subscribe to the magazine if you want that would be nice uh, and also check out the news stories because uh, helen in particular has been working her i was about to say butt off but that seems on you know fingertips i fingertips. don't think i there have any um, fingerprints anymore there we go to shoot up about 25 news stories and then today alone so anyway You'll get much more detail, um, a lot of analysis and insight and all that kind of good stuff. Quotes, pictures, everything. So go check it out. I agree wholeheartedly. Go and check out the, those news stories. And please validate my presence here at Comic-Con as well by watching our video packages. Uh, we are doing something this year called Fiddy Bloggy Shorts, uh, which are short versions of Fiddy Bloggy Shorts. Uh, so they'll, they'll be up there on the website. There'll be things, uh, there'll be Fiddy Bloggy Shorts dedicated to Kick-Ass 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, the Marvel panel, there'll be Divergent, Ender's Game, all sorts of stuff. Do check those out. And then do check out our bumper Comic-Con video blog episode, which should be up roughly, hopefully, by the time you hear this podcast as well. Uh, so, yeah, thanks very much indeed. I love the phrase, please validate my existence. Please, please do validate my existence, uh, if you possibly can, because I haven't come close to trying. Don't, it only encourages him.
Indeed, indeed. And that is it for this year's Comic-Con uh, podcast. Thanks so much for listening and uh, join us next year for more film-related fun. We'll be back on Friday, Friday proper, with the podcast proper. So do look out for that one. In the meantime, thanks to Helen O'Hara. Goodbye. Thanks to Ali Plum. Goodbye. Thanks to James White. Live long and prosper. Thanks to Sam Toy, the sleeping Sam Toy over there. Hey, Sam. Hey, there he is. And, of course, uh, thanks so much for me. See you next time. Bye.